0: We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. First of all, Lindsay, it is so nice to meet you. And we, you are, I'll put it out there that we have never met in person. No. <laughs> so this is really, a first time. Hello. Nice to meet you. Us. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, we were just connected. And I heard you had one amazing family story. So, why don't you introduce yourself to me, your family? Tell me a little about about you and who you are and what you do. I sure will.
1: This is kind of an, an odd role reversal for me because my, my career has been spent um, hearing the stories. That's been my career. I've worked in TV for 15 years, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, you know, as the producer, like I'm the one saying, you know, we need to tell this story. We need to tell this one. And so me having a story to tell is um, it's different for me. It's something I have to get comfortable with because I've never wanted to be in the spotlight. I've always worked behind the scenes. I've always been the one kind of orchestrating the things, but I have a story and I'm passionate about it and I want to share it and I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be
0: something that feeds somebody else. It is it is that it is exactly that you share your story, not to gain sympathy or not to gain attention or to um, bring any, any type of other thing to the table, except for awareness and conversation and to know that there are other people that are out there who may have the the same struggles, the same hurts, the same fears. That's exactly right. And you're sharing your story so that they can hear that they're not alone. Um, and that they can hear that there's others that want to be there for them and walk with them through this.
1: That's my greatest hope and my greatest prayer in, in ever sharing our story. Um, my husband, Ryan, we have married for, gosh, what is it? It'll be four years this fall. We have uh, two beautiful daughters. We have our daughter, Reese, who is here with us on earth as we like to say she's two and a half and we have our daughter Riley who is in heaven they are twins twin sisters and um, that's kind of where our our story begins you know um my husband and I about six months after we got married we found out we were pregnant and I quickly started having I found out I was pregnant and I had a very small window of, of that blissful joy of being pregnant because I started having complications really early on and we didn't yet know we were having twins. And I, I thought I was having a miscarriage. And so I, we went to the doctor and we were kind of prepared for the worst. And instead we got a phone call saying, you're having twins and everybody looks fine. And we're not really sure why, you're having the symptoms you're having, but we'll will time will tell, and so and I don't I don't want to be um, too graphic about it. I I was experiencing bleeding. I was having um a, they called it a hematoma, so it could have been, you know, caused by just the implantation. They sometimes when you first get pregnant you have implantation bleeding, and sometimes when you have twins that could even be a little bit more, and so. It truly was just a matter of um, everybody, both babies look good, Um, a lot of bleeding stops on its own, and so we're just going to give this some time. And there's not a lot of my research and what I mean, I've talked to doctors and I've researched and all those things, there isn't a lot to be done when you have this particular symptom. There's really nothing to be done. bleeding in pregnancy like i said is really common and it most commonly stops on its own when you have a twin pregnancy it like everything changes everything is off the table all the things that you know might work in a single pregnancy don't work in a twin pregnancy and so as the weeks passed i continued to experience bleeding and of course the risk with that is that it does start to impact the babies. And my girls were fraternal twins, so they each had their own little sack and um, they were doing their own thing. but there was just a concern that the bleeding would would create more problems. And I had a decision to make because I worked in television and TV was my only baby, my marriage, my family, for a really long time um i was a manager in a newsroom a busy newsroom and i loved it and i was there 10 hours a day 5 days a week i was there for every storm every election every raindrop that fell i was like called into the station so that was my my priority for a long 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 time and suddenly i'm i've got these two babies i'm trying to protect and i don't know what's going on and so i I had to bench myself, (laughs) I had to take myself out. And I just, I I started the process of applying for short-term disability, which turned into long-term disability. So before I even, before I even had real, real complications in my pregnancy, I was already grieving. You know, I was somebody that ran four miles every other day I, you know, had this busy professional life, we had a busy social life, and suddenly I was on my couch all day, and I was terrified, and I wasn't working, and I definitely wasn't exercising, and it was just a gloomy time. It's a little bit ironic when I look back, because I, this sounds so, like, foreboding, but, like, it, I was so sad during that time without even really knowing what was coming down the road. But it, I think it just speaks to like the different layers of grief you can experience. And when you experience a difficult pregnancy, you grieve a lot of things. You grieve the, the normalcy of just being out in cute clothes and pregnancy clothes and just all the things that come with like a normal pregnancy. I just didn't have. And, I, and, and then to boot, all the things that filled my cup and gave me joy in my career and exercise and going on a date night with my husband and all those things were just zapped away. And so, but in my, I knew in my head and my heart that it was worth it. I would do anything to keep these, these babies safe, um, and to keep them growing. So that's what I did. I was, I was on rest. I did a lot of sitting, um, around 14 weeks, my water broke with our daughter, Riley. And that was bad and that was scary because we, you know, Reese, my daughter Reese, um, who was in kind of her own little sack. She still had plenty of amniotic fluid and she was growing. And then you had Riley who had no fluid and it was a really stressful time. And again, the only, there's nothing to do. (laughs) I was told to drink as much water as humanly possible to help maybe try to generate some of that fluid. So that became my job. I, I drank so much water every day and you just are resting and you're sitting and miraculously her flu Riley's fluid started to rebuild. And every time I'd go in for an ultrasound, she showed growth. She was, she was growing. Um, so we had Oh, we were holding on to so much hope. (laughs) We, we were just so hopeful that she was just gonna, gonna keep growing exactly as she had. Um,
0: So at 14 weeks, you, you knew your water had broke. I mean, it, was that something you knew immediately happened or? No.
1: And I, I felt so clueless because so much was happening with my body, with the, with the bleeding I was experiencing. So I, I didn't really understand that it was some, I knew, I knew something had happened, but I didn't understand the extent of it. I did not have this moment of like my water broke. And so we went into the doctor and, you know, they, I remember our uh, maternal fetal medicine specialist, her technician did the ultrasound and we would always meet with her at the end in her office. She's incredible. And I remember the technician leaving and, the doctor came into the room and I remember my heart just sank like, oh, she's not supposed to come in here. This isn't how this appointment goes. And she just, she said, your water broke with Riley. She doesn't have any fluid. It was really a a matter of time of giving it time to see what would happen with her. And Prior to 24 weeks in a pregnancy, um, you know, there's not, there really isn't much to be done. You can, you know, they're viable. They, you know, I've heard of babies being born even earlier than that, but I know at 24 weeks is when there's really that marker of viability. And so we were really, this was early on and we were at a point where we didn't know how this was going to go. And it was so stressful because, anything that happened to one would happen to the other. I had these two babies and I just was sick about it because you just think, oh my gosh, like I, I felt like a ticking time bomb every day. And that that level of anxiety for that long has taken a long time to come down from because I just woke up every day thinking, what what will today hold? <laughs> will, Will I go to sleep tonight? still pregnant with two babies? Will I lose one of my babies? Will I lose them both? And of course, with my water being broken, there was a risk of infection. And so I, I truly, I mean, every day it was like, do I feel okay? (laughs) How do I gauge that? I'm sitting on the couch. I don't feel great. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm really not feeling good at all, but, um, there, were, So it, it was a tough, it was a really tough time because I just felt like I was a ticking time bomb. Things got better. Like I mentioned, Riley's fluid was starting to come back and rebuild. She was growing. My bleeding stopped a little bit. And so, like, I remember I went and saw Hamilton um, with my sister. It was like the first time I had left the house and we went to see Hamilton. We had great tickets in Tulsa. We, you know, we were excited. We had seats in a middle row, the middle of a middle row, like just right in the middle of the theater. And I remember I sat down and I just looked at her and I was like, I can't sit here because I just felt still so uncomfortable in my body. I still felt that like ticking time bomb how would I get out of this row
0: if I needed to? Was was that more of like a a anxiety, the the anxiousness of the whole weight of it all? Or was that truly a physical um, ailment? Like I can't sit here because I'm so uncomfortable. I think it was, I think it was a little bit of both. It was mostly anxiety. I, I
1: just, again, it was that, that ticking time bomb feeling of me feeling like, I need to be ready at any given moment for, I mean, I think in my worst case scenario, I was always like one second away from going to the hospital. So I think sitting in the, the middle of the middle at Hamilton and not having like a clear exit plan, my husband wasn't there with me. My sister is completely capable, which is my best friend, but you know, this, this guy who like literally was just my rock day in and day out is not there. I, I felt a lot of anxiety and my sister was just like, what, what can I do? And so we asked some people on the end to switch with us and they said, no. And (laughs) we went up to the very top and there were a few chairs, a few chairs just set out up there. And, um, my sister asked somebody, can my sister sit here? And they only, they said, yeah, but there was only one chair and they wouldn't bring over another one. And, um, so she sat in her, our seats and I sat up in the chair and we would wave at each other. And she, you know, she kept checking on me, but it gave me a sense of, of, um, I don't know. It helped my anxiety. I felt closer to the exit. I could have my phone right there with me. Um, but I think I don't, you know, it's, I don't even know why I'm sharing that story. It's, it's funny that that even came up, but that's just like, that was my state that I was
0: at during this pregnancy. I think that gives a great perception of what you were going through. It's like, I, here I was in this magnificent, wonderful, exciting place, event, and I couldn't even enjoy where I was. No, I was just sick about it. Everything. Yeah. Just because of what was going on with, with my babies. That's right. That's really, I mean, that
1: so comes to mind when I think about that. That was just really what, what I was going through. And then after, after that, we had a, we had a really fun gender reveal. That was kind of the other my only other time to really get dressed up and do something, we had a gender reveal. It was amazing. We we were just, we had all of our friends and family over. I was convinced I was having two boys. My sister and my mom planned this great reveal. And, you know, we'd lift up the box and the balloons would come out and we lift up the first box and it's pink balloons. And we lift up the second one and it's pink. We're having these two girls. We were just over the moon. And it was a it was a great day. It was a great memory. Right right after that, as we headed into the fall, things just started to go downhill. My I was I was bleeding enough that I had to be hospitalized once. And I went home. And my doctor said, if if you have to come back, then you're staying put. And the plan was all ready for me to go into the hospital at 28 weeks and, and uh, hopefully wait out until we had a C-section scheduled when I was at 35 weeks. Sure enough, though, I was hospitalized a second time, right around, you know, 25, 25 and a half weeks. So it was going to be a long haul, a long 10-week um, haul of being in the hospital, and I was settled in my room and we had, you know, a couple of, uh, my husband has this awesome like little um, sketch pad where he would do like eight weeks, you know, nine weeks, eight weeks. Like had we had a countdown going, we were making little, you know, little videos. We would do like a different dessert every night. We were doing whatever we could to make this bearable and passable. And I was just trying to really, you know, speaking of that grief, I was grieving all over again. I was sad that I was in the hospital. You know, I was sad that I was gonna be living there um, and not see our pets and our house. And I was just gonna be living in the hospital until then. And then 26 weeks, five days, that I I went into labor. (laughs) I didn't even know it was labor. And that just breaks my heart. That breaks my heart when I think about it because I was in a hospital and I was under the best care. I mean, I will forever speak so highly of every nurse that touched our lives during the season. They were all amazing. I was hooked up to machines, I was having heartbeats monitored, and I didn't feel right. I didn't feel good. I was in misery, but I didn't know I was in labor. So uh, that just it was terrible, and finally I knew I was in labor. The nurse, I I woke up Ryan. The nurses came right. It was all in the middle of the night, you know. So it's like the worst time. It's like the the one period of time they're trying to let you sleep, and you know, no somebody's not just hovering right over you. They they rushed me to labor and delivery it was, it was go time. I remember um, about two days before I gave birth, I had a a port in my arm in the hospital. That's just standard. And they, they, you know, want to give you, you know, medication and all of those things. We had taken it out because I was fine. I, you know, I was there in the hospital and I remember being rushed to labor and delivery And everybody looking for my port. And then the realization that I didn't have one. And I remember. Like I you know. I have very like sporadic little bursts of memory. In that morning. But I remember thinking. Whatever I'm about to endure. I'm going to be very sober. I'm not going to have any medication. They're not going to be able to get it to me fast enough. And we headed right in and that started our, our delivery. I gave birth, I didn't know who I was giving birth to. <laughs> I gave birth vaginally breech. It, it was terrible. Um, and then I was quickly moved over to a table for a C-section to give birth to the second baby. And again, at this point, I had no clue who was who I was giving birth to. At what point, um, I had a C-section. I remember the doctor performing my C-section said, "Hello, beautiful," and they saw the baby. Brian and I always remember that. That was a that was like a special moment in like the midst of just darkness, and. Our amazing NICU doctor, we will be forever blessed that our doctor, uh, the way it works at our particular hospital, the, doc, the NICU doctor who's on call that night is just, uh, there. you know, they're the ones there, they're the ones receiving your baby, that's your doctor from that point on. And we are people of faith, and that was such a God thing that that doctor was our doctor. Because she, I guess I should say it like this. Since I I watched firsthand how she cared for Reese, our daughter who survived, our daughter who went to the NICU. I watched how she saved her life that morning and how she cared for her for the 70 days we were in the NICU. And the, I mean, the, just the extent of love and care that she poured into Reese. And it's given me great comfort to know that she also received Riley that morning and made that determination that um, Riley just, what her, and what had happened was her lungs were not nearly as developed as Reese's because she had lost all that fluid earlier on in my pregnancy. And um, she, she could not survive it, the early birth. And I have a lot of comfort thinking that our doctor gave both my girls the best she had. I know that that Riley had every shot at making it in that doctor's hands. And it just, it wasn't meant to be.
0: Those doctors are pretty special. Oh. uh, Yeah. And when they receive um multiples you know when you know that that this doctor's working with both daughters you know both girls yeah it it truly it almost gives them cause to fight equally for both you know they want yeah. them. they want them to survive together and, and grow up together and, and be strong together and so you're right. I know. I've seen that in a lot of um, a lot of situations where they will do everything they can to give those you know those two sets of multiples or twins um, opportunities to grow and, and and survive and be together. Once you delivered, did you realize it was Riley or Reese that came first and second? Who was delivered C-section versus um, yeah breech?
1: My my OB at this point had been obviously called in. Um, she arrived in time for my C-section. So she, I remember um, our NICU doctor, who obviously just knew that she had received two babies. She said, um, baby A didn't make it. Because that was the, that was the first, um, the baby I gave birth to first. Didn't make it, and my OB very quickly said that was actually baby B. That was Riley. That didn't make it. And um, Reese, who we did we delivered via section, and just from the way that they can see all of that, she said this is baby A, and she she made it. And so um, it it was just I often think about this. Riley was our baby B. Riley is our angel baby. And she was way up high. I was carrying her way up high as, as it usually is with baby. That's how they named them baby A and B. And A was low. At some point that night that I went into labor, they switched places. <laughs> I, I think I think in a way Riley was saving Reese because it shouldn't have happened that way. In, in all the anatomy and all the things, it was just, it was unusual and it was, when I think about it, it's it's amazing, and I use that in like an awe-inspiring word. Like it's incredible that that's what happened. And I think, I think Riley was saying, "I I need to go.
0: I'm going to give you a a stronger fighting chance uh, yeah. to to make this make yeah. this work, yeah. and and I'm going to give you your time. So.
1: I think that's what happened.
0: Wow.
1: And, um, so yeah, that's when we learned who, who was who, and we kind of wrapped our heads around everything. And, you know, that just launched us into this, the whole next chapter, the pregnancy was over. It was time to just, you know, um, Ryan and I tag teamed really well. I was given, we all were, we were given the, the privilege of holding Riley for as long as we could. She officially passed away three hours after I gave birth. Um, and we were just able to love on her and hold her. We had pictures taken with her that I've never been able to look at. I don't know that I ever will. They're in a safe spot. Um, we had her baptized. We had some really just heartbreakingly special moments. Both of our families just swarmed us and surrounded us with love. Um, Lots of our family members had a chance to hold her and love on her as well. Um, You know, the, the gift of other grieving parents out there, we had a cooling crib. We had that opportunity to keep her in our room until we were ready to physically let her go and that was a blessing um and I've often thought of the I know there's many parents out there who have donated things like that to hospitals and I just (laughs) that that just resonates so deeply with my heart because I understand that need to give something to other parents in their lowest moment I'm thankful for that and Ryan and I um we were, we were true twin parents that day. I, I held Riley for a long time. He had some time with Riley and then he was in the NICU and he was in the NICU learning everything he could about every nurse. This is my husband to a T. Uh, one of the many things I love about him. He is the, uh, you know, the welcoming committee. So he's up there learning everybody's name, what every machine does, Uh, He knows he's getting like the full lockdown of the NICU and I'm, I'm holding Riley. We're both, we were in this window of time. We were just true twin parents, each of us with one of our girls. When we, when we finally let Riley go physically, um, my dad wheeled me up to the NICU to meet Ryan. We wheeled through the hospital. We wheeled up to the NICU floor went through the doors and, um, I remember going into her room and they had the, the nurses are just so wonderful. They had little name Reese's name, already a little craft project. Somebody had like cut out her name and made it like just darling on the, on her hospital or in her room door. And, um, the first thing I saw was that they had also made one for Riley. It was sitting in the corner. And I just, I, I thought that was, I loved that they were already carrying Riley there. They were like, she's she's not here, but we know she was here. That meant everything to me that they were, you know, that her name, to see her name and to like feel her presence there and to know that they knew, they knew.
0: This is such an important conversation to have because... I think so often in hospitals, you know, when death happens, they don't always know how to respond either, you know, or, or or they don't know necessarily what a parent wants. And so to tread very carefully on, does a parent want this? Does a parent not want this? How do we proceed? Um, And so I think, I think this conversation is, is key in, in saying, you know what? I'm a twin mom. I'm a twin mom. And she is a twin and to be able to recognize that sister may not be with us but we're yeah. still we're, we're still a twin family so.
1: i agree and i i i think that's so that's so true because one of the hardest parts of of losing riley is talking about her and equally hard if not harder is not talking about her and not having people recognize that she is a member of our family and that just i mean I am as much her mom as I am Reese's. I feel that deep inside of me and I know I will my whole life. And so, yeah, it's, that is something that is still, you know, we're two and a half years later and I just still think, um, I still have to have to kind of say that sometimes like Ryan and I talk about that a lot. We're like, We don't want people to forget that she was here. We don't want, we want her name to be said. We want her memory to be honored. And I do think that that's why I do want to share our story is because, is because of that too, because Reese kicked butt and survived. And because Riley also was just this magical thing that happened to us. And I don't ever want that forgotten. I can look back and see that at the time you're 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 just living in shock and so was my husband and then here we have Reese up in the NICU and um like I said she was intubated for a short time but came off of that really quickly she was already right from the get-go she was just strong she was just a fight and everybody would tell us that and you know you're kind of like well okay, you know, she's one pound, 14 ounces. (laughs) Um, but they were like, she's, she's a strong one. Um, and we saw that our entire NICU journey, she, um, would take, rip off her oxygen by herself. She would kick off all her monitors. She would rip things off. She would roll over on her. I mean, she would do all the things that, um, a tiny, tiny baby, you would just be shocked that they would do. And they were like, she, you've got a fighter here.
0: I love that. I love whenever the, the nurses kind of let us know that our babies yeah. are frightened and they're and, and they're they're going strong. And and you always want to see that spunk. That's the, I love when they reiterate. You always want to see that spunk in a baby. So
1: I agree. And it was it was really encouraging to us. And we saw it about seven days in. She got an infection, which is really common in the NICU. And it took us about five days to get it under control. We had to put her on a really heavy duty medication. And, you know, talk about the NICU journey of just, the NICU is like its own thing. It is its own world. It's its own bubble. And we were told to plan in your NICU stay, plan two steps forward, five steps back. Plan to leave the NICU when your your actual due date is. Um, We were just, we were ready. I mean, we were being told a lot of things about the NICU. This infection was we couldn't get it under control. And it was, it was, I, I think losing Riley and burying Riley, which we did a few days later, were the most impossible things a parent should go through. But my, my like true, I've heard people call it like a dark night of the soul. Like my, my low rock bottom was when Reese had this infection because I thought, We've just gone through hell, and it now it could get worse. <laughs> um, I remember I just had a I, I, it, that was that was my rock bottom. I felt completely abandoned by God. I, I was just as an, I don't even know the right word for it, and I feel like I'm I'm like okay with finding words for things. There was no word for this feeling. It was just darkness. And we got the infection under control. We found the right medicine. You know, we had to sign a million things saying this, this could be the thing. This medication could make it so she loses her hearing. This could do this. This could do this. And we were like, let's, we have no choice. This is how we save our daughter. (laughs) Um, And so we did that. And the medication had to run through an IV in her arm for six weeks. So we knew that we were at least, you know, we at least had six weeks. We knew much longer than that, but we, we were like, okay. And she got better and she got stronger and she did great. And that's kind of like the crazy part of our, our NICU journey. Our journey is that I know so many, and I've, I've seen this so many NICU families where it's just one setback after another. And my heart goes to those families because we did not have that experience. We were dealing with insurmountable grief and trauma and all the things you can. But as far as our NICU journey goes, Reese just took one milestone after another and just nailed it. And 70 days later, we packed her in a red wagon
0: and got to take her home. Got your your miracle girl home. I love your heart to be able to say, Um, my heart goes out to those other families who have setback after setback after setback in the NICU and, and how fortunate you were to not have those setbacks. And then at the very same breath, you lived the world's worst nightmare.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that that's something Ryan and I talk about a lot is we experienced both ends of the spectrum. We experienced complete success in bringing Reese home and complete Loss in not being able to bring Riley home. We never experienced that middle ground that so many families live in, which is just that setbacks and victories, but then another setback. So we have a lot of experience about these two bookend extremes, and we have a lot of empathy and things to learn about the middle ground, which we have in just meeting other NICU families. We've learned a lot about that middle of families who. Um, are just, you know, there are setbacks and there's milestones and it's all
0: kind of mixed in together. Trauma is trauma. And every journey is so absolutely, And every emotional support looks very different for every single family up there because it it is every experience is different, you know? Um, But I always think
1: of that when we had a nurse tell us the NICU is like, you're at the top
0: of a staircase,
1: but you're trying to get to the bottom. And you go down a few steps and then you have to go right back to the top. And like, you can see the landing down there and you just can't get there. We, we certainly had moments like that. And I know there are many families who have even more moments like that. And I know it just seems like you can never get down the
0: staircase. I'm going to take us back just a a little bit about what you had said. And you had said that, that Riley had kept growing and she was doing Mm -hmm. well. I mean, well, in a sense of how well she could be doing, but, but you had this hope, you had this hope that she was going to survive and your, your, um, your gender reveal was a party that you celebrated two babies. First of all, I want to say, you know, when I talk to families, you know, we don't grieve what's not lost, you know I mean? Like we, yeah. we really truly need to be celebrating the th- things that we can celebrate and, and let's not, yeah. let's not stop celebrating things. Um, if, if we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wonder if you could did did your friends and family know how significant or um, how um, scary some of those things were like like the water breaking early at fourteen weeks did did people that surrounded you know how serious it could be or or did y'all not know so you didn't really tell people we
1: we are very blessed that we have a great support system of of friends and family and as my pregnancy progressed they were really a a part of the that journey with us um my mom went to several appointments with me um just to kind of you know relieve ryan in a way i wanted my mom there too and also just because uh, we were going to the doctor multiple times a week you know and so sometimes ryan would be you know at work and my mom would be there and that was really always special for me too um Everybody knew. And I think that that's why that, when I think about our gender reveal, it was so special because everybody made it just such a celebration. Like these two babies, no matter where our journey came to an end, or if it didn't come to an end, whatever the journey was going to be, they were going to be loved and celebrated. Um, and that meant the world to me. And I remember my... uh My mom happened to, my mom was in town a lot. Obviously she's, she lives out of town, but when I was going through everything, and especially when I was hospitalized, she was, she would come up for a few days, she'd go home for a few days. Like she was really back and forth quite a bit. She happened to be in town when I went into labor and Ryan called her, you know, she's, so she gets to the hospital, you know, for something in the morning. And one of our nurses who we loved was the one who came out and told her that Riley didn't make it. And my nurses knew my girl, you know, it wasn't a baby A, baby B. They knew my girls by name. They knew exactly who they were. And she told my mom that Riley didn't make it. And hearing my mom tell that story too, about calling my dad, calling my siblings, um, that, uh, that always like, is just something that really s- stays on my heart of how everybody responded. And Ryan's family is here in town. They came to the hospital, his cousin, who's very, very close to just came immediately. Um, my family was driving and flying and everybody, you know, my littlest brother was in California on a business trip or nine years apart. And it makes me cry to think about he, he instantly got on two airplanes, just booked him as quick as he could to get to Tulsa. Um, he got there that afternoon just in time to meet Riley and he, um, I, yeah, he, I remember sitting just alone with my, my little brother, you know, Mikey, um, in my hospital room. And I remember just looking at him and being like, I don't, I don't think somebody can get through this. And him telling me, you know, and just being like, oh, yeah, you can get through this and you will get through this. It's nice when the, the kid whose diaper you used to change can, like, sit there in your hospital room and, and really level with you <laughs> and, and uh, give you a pep talk. Um, so we, we, everybody loved and continue loves both of our girls. Um, Riley is buried not too far from where we live and her grave marker even is full of love constantly. My friends leave things there. Um, we decorate it. She, her memory is alive and well for all of us. And she was very much loved through my pregnancy too. And I think, I think that's really important because, Everyone, everyone in your life has a choice to make if, if they're going to love your baby the way that you love them, or if they're going to keep it at arm's distance because they don't know what's going to happen, but they're loving you when they love your baby. And I was fortunate that I didn't have to tell everybody, Hey, I want you to love this baby. Everybody did, you know, but sometimes. You do have to have those tough conversations of saying, I, we are going to be full in. I want everybody full in. We're going to love this baby. We're going to say her name because like we've talked about, sometimes people don't know what to do and don't know what to say. Um, So Ryan and I have both been very blessed. Everybody loved Reese and Riley. Everybody speaks of them. They were loved then and they were, they are loved now.
0: To know that both girls are loved by your family um, is just something you can't teach. You can't really educate. And it's just, it's just one of those things that for people to do that and do that well, you've surrounded yourself with really good people. <laughs> so,
1: we're, we're very blessed. I mean, truly we've, we've got incredible families on both sides. We've got great friends. Uh, we've,
0: we had a really good support system. Coming home with only one of them. I know that that's, um, a conversation that is, is hard to have. Um, when you have planned for two, um, I don't know what your, if you had had your home set up for two, uh, obviously delivering it, you know, going in at 25 weeks yeah. <laughs> into the hospital, we don't always uh, have everything set up at home. Cribs are not assembled and things like that, but, um, yeah, but kind of talk to me about maybe some of the things you had planned on for a two. And then that realization that, you know what, we're only bringing home one.
1: We did not have a nursery set up. We had started to do some things, but we didn't have a nursery set up. I had a registry that had plenty of twin things on them, and I had definitely started receiving gifts, twin gifts. Um, My family, after I delivered and everybody came, and my my immediate family, everybody was in town, um, while I was still in the hospital... They put together a nursery for me. They assembled the crib and set up all the things. And it was a nursery for Reese. The day I left the hospital is the day we buried Riley. So I was in the hospital for five days. And I literally, we checked out and went straight to the gravesite. and we had her service and then it was time to go home for the first time and i was dreading it and in i walked and they had planned like a little shower of sorts at our house and so i went into the nursery and i got to soak it in and see what they had done and see what they did for reese and i opened gifts and it was it was a really Joyful time in what could have just been the worst day of my life. And I was appreciative that they did that. Um, they, all the things that had Riley's name on them, all the things that were twin, my mom took and kept at her house. And some of the things she still has at her house. Um, some of the things over time have just become, um, a second item of the thing we love—the thing that we love at our house—is now also at Nanny and Papa's house, um, and some things are tucked away in special memory boxes I have made for Riley. And I, it, I'm at a point now where I can go through those every now and then and look at it and, and see those things and and let it kind of just wash over me. Let it let it be a part of me
0: does Reese know about Riley?
1: Yes. Um, She, we've been taking Reese out to the grave site since she was little. Um, Riley, (laughs) of course, and I think this is a very classic twin thing to happen. While we were in the hospital, while we were in the NICU with Reese, we were going through the process of, we had laid Riley to rest, but we We're ordering her grave marker, and we were just doing some other things. Terrible things, but things that had to be done. The week that we brought Reese home from the hospital, they laid Riley's marker. It took like six weeks for it to come in, and it happened to be the same week that we took Reese home from the hospital. So it was like these two really like here we are bringing Reese home, and now we have this like very like physical you know, symbol of Riley, her name and her birthday and all these things here. And it was, it was really impactful. And Christmas was two weeks later. And we were up here for Christmas by ourselves, just our family. We were finally home with Reese and we went and visited Riley with Reese. And that was the first time i had had my girls back side by side like that since the day they were born. And, um, We have gone there often since. We have some traditions that we do there, especially holidays. Reese knows the cemetery. She knows Riley is there. Reese has just started to understand the concept of a sister. And I find myself not really talking about how Riley is her sister yet. So she knows about Riley. She knows Riley's in heaven. I don't, she doesn't understand yet that Riley's her sister. And that, and, you know, even beyond that, that her twin sister. So that is just a story that's going to unfold in these next few years. And we're ready for it. And we're laying the foundation now of teaching her about our faith. And teaching her about Jesus being in heaven. And I feel like by taking these steps, we're laying a really solid groundwork for her understanding where her sister is in the years to come. I hope. I, you know, I think um, right now this is my story. And it's not hers.
0: And as the years go by, we'll see how it takes shape as her story. Um, it, it's fluid. It's, it's, a, it's always in motion. As yeah. Far as, um, becoming part of their identity, you know, and, and knowing that they have a... Yeah. And, and so, yeah. I don't know how she'll, how
1: that will impact her life. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it will, what kind of role that will play in her, in her story. I think that's up for her to decide. Yeah. Um, but I know how, I mean, obviously I know how it is in our life, in our story, uh, Ryan and I story and, you know, we've already kind of done some special things like on their birthday. We do, we celebrate Riley the day before mm-hmm. and we go out there and, um, we get a really pretty flower arrangement, um, it's great. There's a local flower shop that for the last um, two years I've ordered from. And this last year when I called to order the flower arrangement, you know, you kind of get ready to like, they don't, they're not going to remember me. I'm going to have to explain what I want and all this stuff. And the second I called and I said, you know, last year, and they were like, we remember. What do you want? Let's do it again. And um, like little things like that just make you think, ah. Again, like her, she's, her legacy, like is here, like it's here. People, people know her in little ways and big ways. Um, So we celebrate Riley and then October 3rd, which is their birthday, is Reese's day. I don't want that to be a sad day for our family. That is always going to be a joyful day for our family because it's the day that Reese and Riley were born, but that we celebrate Reese and Reese's life that she deserves to have a day just of joy and happiness. And we are really committed to
0: that. As we wrap up, Lindsay, I just cannot thank you enough for um, sharing Riley and Reese with us today and how this has inspired you to, to love on others in, in this unique way. So thank you for doing this with us today.
1: Thank you for letting me share. This is my whole heart. I love putting my girls' names into the world.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405 Two seven one five zero seven two.